Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones. Barron. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match. Hello and a glum welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, certainly from an English perspective. That was woeful, hapless, gutless. England bowled out in just 38 overs for 124, having been 68 for none. So losing their last 10 wickets for 56 runs, one of the worst collapses, 10 wicket collapses England have ever experienced. And it's just, it's, it's just so demoralising. Uh, it's embarrassing to watch uh, from a, a sort of former professional cricketer's point of view. I just feel that ignominy has been reached by this England team. And even though it is the last Ashes test and it's been a tough tour and there are so many excuses, there is no excuse for batting like that, Simon. It's till last because they were bowled out for 68 at the MCG in another three-day defeat. Ian Botham, commenting on Channel 7 after the match, described their performance today as gutless. And Ricky Ponting said, not enough quality, not enough fight. And I think those two comments by two uh, former legends of the game just about sums it up, really. I mean, it was really poor today. And one thing I would say is that Australia had the wind put up them as well when they were batting. It wasn't a great Australian batting performance today. Bowled out for 155. Mark Wood was... Mark Wood was terrific. You know, he ran in and he really got amongst them. You know, bowling really quick and short, and Australia didn't have any answer uh, to it. But you know, 68 for no wicket. England were going along quite nicely, and I'm, I'm sure there were people watching, thinking, "Is this possible? Is this possible?" And I made that comment last night, didn't I? That you know, there's more ch- more chance of me flying home without an aeroplane. Uh, than England winning this test match. And at 68 for no wicket, I was, I was beginning to get a few messages from various people having made that comment last night. But you can trust England, can't you? They are, like, they are like the Bank of England. You, you can absolutely trust them to do uh, what they did. And, you know, what was it? Eight, 86 minutes later.
later, they were all out for 124. I'm um, not not easy conditions. I, w- I would say that you know it's a green pitch, and pink ball and lights. But I mean, some of that batting was absolutely appalling, wasn't it? I mean, poor shot from Ben Stokes. Should he have played in the game? You know, we talked about that on our first day our podcast. Struggle in the field with his side injury. Couldn't bowl. Two low scores. Ollie Pope bowled round his pads. Sam Billings was a really tame shot. Uh, David Milan probably had other things on his mind because his wife gave birth to a, a daughter yesterday, six weeks early. So that must have been a real shock, actually, if you think about it. Hard to concentrate on a cricket match when that's going on uh, back at home, especially when you d- didn't don't expect it to happen for, for several weeks. Joe Root was really unlucky. got a, a shooter, didn't he? I mean, that was unplayable. Sort of summed it all up, really, in a way, for Joe Root just walked off shaking his head. And still no Ashes 100 uh, for Joe Root. And you, you do wonder whether he'll ever get one, to be honest. He presumably be back in four years' time. Uh, but, you, you know, it, what sort of player will he be in four years' time? Yeah, and he's uh, certainly blameless. Uh, you know, dedication, um, obviously a class above anyone else in the England side. The conditions were tough today, uh, but there's no excuse for some of the dismissals, uh, as you said. Uh, just you know, thoughtless, brainless. Someone like David Milan. Okay, I'm sure he had other things on his mind. But I thought, you know, actually, if you look at his series, it has massively declined from a couple of really good scores in the early tests, a couple of eighties, and now he can barely get a run. And he just seems uh, as if he's totally gone into his shell. Actually, and I mean, I said this on the podcast yesterday. He's too passive. And in actual fact, his dismissal today sort of summed it up because he should have poked his bat fairly tamely at a ball and it just ricocheted off the bat. There was no sort of force or impact or, uh, you know, positivity about the defensive shot and the ball just ricocheted onto the stumps. And, you know, it. look, I, I, Australia have discovered some excellent bowlers and today the standout bowler, Cameron Green, who sort of hinted at his ability last year yeah. against India and never took any wickets. And this this series has, has looked outstanding. You know, he's up there with the likes of those West Indies fast bowlers that, that England came across in the 1980s. Not quite uh, at that level yet, but the potential to be because he's got pace, he's got bounce, he's got accuracy, he moves the ball, and he seems to understand how to bowl as well. So if he can stay fit... My God, he's a handful uh, for you know opposing batsmen going forwards. But you know that's some some of the other dismissals as well were just so tame. And it, you know it's the end of term feel, and we talked about this yesterday about feeling, you know, you just want to go home. You, you, it's like the horse wanting to gallop home at the end of uh, at the end of a ride, and you 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 know you are thinking of home. You know, in the back of your mind, probably in the front of your mind, even when it when it comes to situations like this, but. Just the sort of basic errors and poor old Ollie Pope, you know, what's going through his mind, you know, first innings poking at one outside off stump and didn't need to play it because of this method of standing on off stump or standing outside off stump and now going too far across and getting bold leg stump and leaving whole whole stumps exposed. So it just, it, I suppose it really symbolises, it encapsulates the kind of mess that English batting is in, summed up, by the way, by the fact that their batting partnerships have averaged 20 in this series, which is one of the lowest of all time. You can give us some some stat download now, can't you, Simon? 
Well, yeah, I've, I've lent on uh, Andy Zoltz from the Test Match Special Statistician uh, for this, but uh, England's average of 20.2 runs per wicket in the series is their lowest in an Ashes series since 1890 and their lowest in any Ashes series of four matches, four or more matches. But it's not actually their lowest in recent years because when they went to India in 20, uh, 2021, uh, yeah, last year, they averaged 19.83, despite scoring 500 in the first Test match. So, I mean, it, it, their batting overseas has been woeful. And it's been pretty poor in England, let's face it, as well. They lost to New Zealand and they lost to, or they're 2-1 down to India in that series that's yet to be uh, completed. And, and some of their batting in that series wasn't particularly good. Bowled out on the last day at Lords, for example. You know, hustle, hustled out and losing that Test match when they were dominating the game. It's, it's a familiar theme. And... I, but I would, I would agree with you. I mean, Cameron Green was excellent because Australia, they just, they seemed to have just lost their way a bit. England were coasting along. I mean, they got to 50 and almost you know, five runs and over. The runs were coming. Burns and Crawley looked uh, pretty secure. Boland did well as well at one end, just tidying things up, tying England's batters down and just strangling them a bit after a sort of profligate opening uh, spell. And Green came on and he took out the top three. And I, with Milan, I, I accept that he did play a, a rather tentative shot, but he had been clonked on the helmet by a superb bouncer from round the wicket by Green that actually really just kept coming at him and it smacked into his helmet and I, it probably did just make him a little bit tentative afterwards and you know, yeah, playing on and, and Green uh, getting his wicket. Uh, you know, Burns and Crawley looked okay actually at the top and then you know, Burns playing on as well. Crawley, a bit of a loose drive I thought to, to Green, caught behind for 36. It was just, then it was just it just felt impossible to, to stem the tide really and, and when Root got that scuttler uh, you just thought, well, this is going to be over uh, this evening. They might need the extra half an hour. They didn't even need, you know, the extra half hour to get to 10.30, the, you know, the scheduled close. It was it was done and dusted, and, and in the end, they were just sort of swinging and slogging. It was a bit like watching a T20 game, actually. If you, if you just switched on the television or just came into the ground was watching it and didn't see the white clothes or ignored the white clothes, it just looked like the last couple of overs of a, of a T20 innings, really. Players giving themselves some room, thrashing and slogging. Um, but you know, the, by then it was it was done, really, wasn't it? And you know, what, what I mean, what a series, really. I mean, it's been so one-sided. I mean, one one question it's worth asking, guys, is you know, is this is it really good for Test match cricket? Is it good for broadcasters that they they show this? I mean, you know, they, I think they sort of quite like it in Australia, uh, Australia winning, and it's it's you know, you can sort of sneer at the Poms a bit, but is it really that good for? Test match cricket in general and, and, and the Ashes. The Ashes, I don't want to really use the Ashes brand because it sort of cheapens it really. But, you know, there is a sort of, there is a sort of Ashes brand and it's, you know, it's, it's looking a bit thin actually, that brand at the moment. It's looking a bit devalued. I totally agree. And, you know, a lot of the Australians, I, mean, I remember actually we had Mike Hussey, didn't we, on this show and mm. on the Virtual Cricket Club early seas, early part of the series. And we said to him after the first test, what's the when you got back to Perth and Australia won that first test fairly handsomely, what was the feeling like in the Australian uh, community? And he just said, look, we're, all right, we're happy we won, but we want a contest. We want some serious excitement and, you know, to have a bit of balance between the sides and a bit of jousting going on. And there was none of that at all. It was just England lying down and, and saying, you know, walk all over me most of the time. Uh, look, this Australian side is good. You know, but Pat Cummins, outstanding bowler. I've said it several times, probably one of the best bowlers Australia have ever produced. Never lets 
the Australia, the, the batsman off the hook. He's just at you the whole time. High pace. I thought his skills in this series it, it also developed. He was showing an ability to move the ball away and back in the air uh, and off the pitch, as well as the the relentless line and length and pace and desire and, and sort of menace that he exudes. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned Cameron Green, uh, that someone like Travis Head has, has come through and, um, and proved a very valuable asset at number five. You know, Steve Smith hasn't had to do anything. He's only averaged 30. Uh, so because other players have come through, Scott Boland, you know, a good, good seasoned professional, someone who's just done the same thing, plugged away, plowed a furrow for years for you know the the Victorians and playing for the Hobart Hurricanes as well in the, in the Big Bash you know not a frills cricketer just someone who's solidly good and what a what a performance 18 wickets at 9 in the series that's partly because England batted badly against him but also because he bowled just a, an excellent professional line and length at a good pace you know you want a contest and the pitches have been a little bit too much in the bowler's favour, I'd say, overall, slightly. And so, therefore, the scores have been relatively low. England haven't even reached 300 once. But they should have shown a lot more gumption, a lot more fight than they have. And, yeah, it has undermined and devalued the, the, the Ashes contest concept. Yeah, and let's not blame Australia. Uh, not not for one moment because you know they they go out there and do what they have to do, which is just steamroller you know a very poor England side you know a, a woeful England side at, at times. Yes, there have been mitigating factors: the lack of a build-up for England, uh, you know the fact that you know they they have been COVID restrictions and they've been having to put up with that for a long time. And you know you, the vibe you get from the England camp and certainly one we got from Ashley Giles when I spoke to him before the Sydney Test match is that you know it's 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 been very difficult. It's that old. You know, that old line we talked about, you know, we may not be very good, but at least we turn up. You know, they've been turning up. They've been playing the cricket, you know, all around the world. They've been playing far more uh, test cricket than Australia have, uh, for example, match after match after match. They've been fulling for largely fulfilling their uh, commitments uh, while other series have been called off or not being arranged at all and it ha- has been tough but you know, by now okay they drew the last game they showed a bit of fight but you felt they you know, could have been able to get into the series but they, you know there was a, it was just like a sort of after the Lord Mayor show sort of match this one really it was sort of wham bam wasn't it and play, paid, played at a high pace and without too much um, I don't care and attention and having said that you know the 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 pitch was a bit lively and it was the pink ball and it was under lights. And it, it is worth bear, bearing in mind as well that Hobart or the ground at Hobart was underwater about you know, a week and a half ago. They'd had a lot of rain. And so that perhaps had something to do with the, the pitch that the match was played on. But it, you know, it wasn't a great look and it hasn't been a great look from England. And in a, in a way, there's part of me, I know we both predicted 3-1 at the start of the series. Um, there's part of me that actually didn't mind what happened to, to England today because what you, in a way what you didn't want was a sort of papering over the cracks victory in, in, a, in a way and so actually now it might just concentrate some minds and say hold on a second we, this, this cannot be allowed to continue this is really poor and there, you know, there has to be a raising of standards and you, know, you go to India you get absolutely thumped on spinning pitches go to Australia get thumped on pitches that are well, actually, a little bit like English pitches. Now, this one was a little bit like that. Probably more more pace and bounce than you normally get in England. 
you know, mm. and, and, but it's not just that. It's not just going to India. It's not just going to Australia. It's also what's happening in England as well, where England are losing yep. test matches and they're struggling, especially against the better sides. So yeah, l- totally. l- in a way, let's hope that this is a sort of like, right, real serious think about the way the game watershed is moment. structured. Yeah, yeah. W- watershed moment. And uh, OK, let's have a look at the, the England batting averages uh, just for the sake of a bit of a, a depressing uh, so story. So house of Johnny horrors. Best, yes, exactly. Jo- Johnny Bairstow, 48 average, but only two matches. Uh, Joe Root, 32, uh, did his absolute best. Zach Crawley's finished with 27. David Milan, 24. That's mm. disappointing, really. And then you go down Stokes, 23. Butler, 15. Uh, Burns, 12. And Ollie Pope, 11. Hamid, 10. So, you know, that's the kind of state of uh, play we're in with, with English batting. And, you know, actually, I thought Paul Farber's made a really interesting observation in our virtual cricket club the other night. He was on our first day podcast talking about... Hanuma Vihari, who came over to England to do a little bit of work with Warwickshire, and I think was in the squad. I think he was in the squad for the Birmingham Phoenix, or he was he was in Warwickshire at Edgbaston for some reason. I've forgotten what he said the reason was now. And he went in and had a net at uh, Edgbaston, and the ball was nipping around, seeming around all over the place, and he played immaculately, and. All the other batsmen, the Warwickshire batsmen, uh, whoever was around, stopped and just watched. And watched his simple method, a sort of Joe Root type method, standing on middle and leg and playing with the ball beside him. And they just were kind of dumbfounded. And this is a guy who isn't even in the first Indian eleven, although he's on the fringes and probably will get in. And he has played a few tests. But Mm. he's averaging in the mid-50s in Indian first-class cricket. And... You know, he's in their sort of second eleven, really, but he has a very nice basic method, and all the young England batsmen were just watching him, going, "God, I'd like to play like that," and that's what England need. You know, they need actually. I think I what I would do is I would pick out the best parts of some of Joe Root's innings over this series. You know, his defence, his shot selection, his concentration, and just almost highlight. I don't know, half an hour of the best bits of his innings and just put that together and say that is how you've got to bat. And everybody's got to do that. And everybody's got to try and apply that technique, that playing the ball quite late, scoring options, concentration and trusting your defence, not trying to go after the ball all the time, even on a pitch which is not easy to play on. Just stay in. And play in an orthodox manner. And the more English batsmen who can just learn to do that, and it's going to take time, the more they can build innings and get into better situations in these kind of series. Yeah, I was watching Joe Root's uh, post-match press conference. I mean, he looked a bit shell-shocked, really. I mean, I mean, he almost looked like he was on the verge of tears. I'm sure he wasn't, but it was the sort of that, that feel I got, you know, a sense of being... You know, this is this is another sort of real low, and he was talking about again. He was talking about you know we got to learn and you know try to move forward and and learn as a team. Then then got long actually before they're they're back in action again. Really, you, you normally think you know, an Ashes series you get a chance to sort of recuperate. What well, in the middle of January now, 
and there's another series starting at the beginning of March. So you, you know, go back for a couple of weeks, and then have to be back in training and working hard. And I suppose that they'll have to work out as well who who goes and who stays. Um, but I mean, they, they've said during this series we've got the best 18, 17, 18 players uh, on this tour. So uh, I don't know who else they can have a look at. I mean, there's no form to go on, is there? You know, you can't sort of say, well. Uh, you know, there are first-class matches going on. We can take him, him and him, and we have a go with him. I know they've got all the people in their databases and all that, and they'll have video banks of all the all their players, and they'll, they'll, they'll know what's there. Uh, but, you know, you, you do wonder how different uh, the team for the first test in the Caribbean will be uh, from this lineup. Uh, one thing I would like to highlight is, well, we've, we've touched on Cameron Green already, actually, but I also like to show the, the contrast. You've done, you've done some stats on England's batters. The contrast in, in the two all-rounders and Green in this series, 15 wickets, sorry, 13 wickets at 15, and an average of 32 with the bat. Struggled to start with, gradually came to terms with it, scored some runs. And then Ben Stokes, four wickets at, at 71. And then, uh, you know, with the bat, you know, not not the figures that you, you would hope for from someone of, of, of Ben Stokes' quality, what, averaging around about uh, 23 in the series, uh, despite a couple of scores. So, you know, Green, the, sort of the new kid on the block, really. Uh, we, we saw his promise last year against India. And, he you know, he's, he's definitely won. It's not a head-to-head battle as such, is it? But of the of the two all-rounders, he's had a triumphant series, really, uh, compared to Ben Stokes. In, in, we know how much England missed Ben Stokes last time, but finger injury and mm. a long time out of the game, and it just took him too long to get in the series, and then he got injured again. Um, and no, actually, no, it's in catch- no lack of effort. Green's, no lack of effort. But. No, 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 absolutely not. But actually, Green's impact in, encapsulated by his fielding as well. Mm. Fielding in the gully with this massive wingspan, stopping anything within about a ten foot, ten meter range, and totally eager as well as you expect a young player to be in his first Ashes series. You know, diving all over the place and absolutely up for it. And Stokes, meanwhile not in his usual position in the slip because of his finger injury, also hampered by his, his rib injury as well, side injury, and so not really able to, to play a full part in the field either. And just kind of that's... There were sort of chasms apart in, in, in their contributions in the series. I mean, one other person, just to mention batting-wise, Mitchell Stark, number nine for Australia, 155 runs, average 38. Well, just shows you that... You know, A, the pitches were tricky, and so quite often, uh, you know, there were low, wickets fell, but actually lower order runs were very important. But in his case, there were opening stands and, you know, better partnerships that meant he came in later, but also he wielded the, the willow with effect uh, to average 38. And that just rubs insult in, into the wounds that you've already suffered when you're struggling in the game and the bowlers are getting tired and someone like Mitchell Stark comes in and bashes you around you know for a sort of quick 40 so you know they had so many answers Australia and England had very very few And I know it was a bowling series generally, but actually when it really mattered in those first two test matches, Australia managed to dig out 400. You talked earlier about you know, that idea of you know, staying in and, and being, having a tight technique. When it mattered, uh, Labuschagne and Smith 
uh, and Warner actually did produce some runs at the start of the series in those first two test matches, and that was the rock on which Australia's uh, victory was founded. So here's a question then, yours: How good is this Australian side? I mean, a lot, a lot of I've a lot of people said, "Oh, it's not, it's not." You know, England should have done better. They're not that far away from them. They're, you know, they're they're not that good a side. Well, they, mm. I, I don't think they are as good as the sides of you know the of the nineties and the two early two thousands. I mean, that was you know they had a sort of almost had a gun player in every single position in the, in those sides. But how how good is this Australian side? Do you think? Well, I mean, that side of two thousand and one to two thousand and five had seven greats: the openers Hayden and Langer, followed by Ponting. You could class um, a Mark and Steve War in, in greats category, Gilchrist, McGrath, Warren. So, you know, they had a fantastic seven or eight core players. Um, this side, you'd say, obviously, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood are yeah, on a par with Warren, McGrath and one other. Uh, and then, but, but Warren, obviously a genius. So, you know, he's above anyone really, I'd say. And then batting wise, they haven't got the openers. They haven't got Hayden and Langer, but they have got Smith and Labuschagne. So I suppose you could say Smith and Labuschagne are sort of like the wars, really. But no openers in quite in the same class as, as Hayden and Langer. And not quite as good a bowling attack either, because Warren and McGrath were such I- I- elite uh, characters. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, sort of eighty percent of that Australian team of the uh, the, ninth, the the early two thousands, I suppose, seventy five to eighty percent as good, but not not quite in their league, no. Yeah, and that, and they've got Nathan Lyon as well, who did, amazingly didn't even get a bowl in this game. Yeah, I'm mean, absolutely incredible. He, he he scored you know more far more runs than he than he actually bowled deliveries, which if you said to him that at the start of the the match, I think he'd have been uh, quite surprised. But he you know he's I thought he was really instrumental in the first part of the series as well. Uh, one person we haven't mentioned is Travis Head, who sort of bizarrely came up as the player of the series. I mean, he, he made a couple of hundreds. He was the leading run scorer in a series in which you know both teams were quite thin on runs. I would say that Australia would have. Still won the Ashes. I mean, you could say they won the Ashes with all sorts of contributions, but I sort of feel they probably would have won the Ashes without his contributions, his, his hundreds. I mean, this one was a sort of icing on the cake innings. I mean, and an icing on cake victory as well. Uh, the one in Brisbane where he came in when they were 195 for four, already about 40 runs ahead, and it just it just sort of emphasised Australia's strong position. And just confirmed, you know, taking a game away from England. Then of course he missed a Test match, uh, so you know, his player of the series was based on those uh, 200 for me Pat Cummins was the player of the series uh, you know 21 wickets the, the captain the leader the focal point uh, for the side and it, it's also worth referring to an interview that Justin Langer did after the match as well Yoz where he was sort of asked about England's problems and you know the, the bubbles and the pressure being away from home for so long all that sort of stuff and so well we haven't been concentrating on them but we've had our own problems people forget that you know we had to change our captain uh, before the start of the series Josh Hazelwood missed four test matches you know one of our main bowlers Travis Head missed a game our player of the series Pat Cummins missed the second test match because he tested uh, positive with Covid so you know they've had their issues as well and they have been able to overcome them but I, I thought Cummins was the player of the series uh, for me, 21 wickets at 18, occasionally some useful runs as well, led the side, and also set the tone as well. I, mean, I, I did quite like the fact, and it's a bit unusual, but I did quite like the fact that it, it was, generally speaking, a you know, pleasant series. There wasn't any of that sort of snarling and nastiness that, that sometimes we've 
seen in the past. Perhaps that's just me as I'm getting older, I'm getting softer. Um, but, you know, it actually, it, was, it seemed to be played in a, in a pretty decent spirit. You could argue that it was a bit, you know, England were a bit handpicked for harmlessness, really. And so it was easy to sort of brush them aside and not have to really get stuck into them. But anyway, so Australia won the friendly Ashes 4-0. Hurrah. <laughs> well, captain by Captain Colgate as well. Uh, Cummings, yeah, a, you know, a superb ambassador for the game, actually. And and just, I, I mean, I just think he's a wonderful bowler. He's lovely to watch. He's constantly improving. I'd hate to, I was listening to Alistair Cook, actually, in the BT studio, just saying, I'm glad I'm not out there. You know, he's he's just incredibly tough to play. Uh, and, he, and he seems to have this appetite, almost like a, a batsman, who wants to bat and bat and bat? He seems to have the appetite uh, for, as a bowler to want to bowl and bowl and bowl and and take on the responsibility. And he just he's he's absolutely relentless. Uh, and and you know you can build a team round a, a, a bowler like that. Uh, so they need him to stay fit, of course. And and remarkably, he is. Uh, it seems to be sort of almost bulletproof at the moment. So yeah, congratulations to him. He handles the team with great aplomb. It's it's easy when you've got the the quality of bowlers that he has to call on. Also, by the way, Australia's fielding was brilliant. But then it you know it always is, isn't it? When games are going your way, it seems like uh, you know things in the field happen, but run out opportunities are taken, sharp catches are snapped up, things on the boundary are, are intercepted. I don't know. I mean, just it everything went. Australia's way but they deserved it because they just played far superior cricket all round yeah what were our main memories of the series then just to wrap up and bring this uh, podcast uh, to an end what what sort of caught your attention what was your main moment of the series or main moments of the series big well, plays Burns getting bowled out first ball of the series for a start <laughs> definitely that I, I, I think Cummins bowling uh, Cameron Green's bowling I thought, you know, I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, you know, watching him... T- tell you what, I saw Ian Bishop when he first came through for the West Indies before he got a back injury. And Cameron Green is not far off Ian Bishop. Ian Bishop bowled very high pace from close to the stumps from six foot five without swing with a beautiful seam position. He was a, he was a handful. He was serious. And Green is not far away from that. So... That was one standout as well. Um, I mean, from an England point of view, there's not much. Mark Wood's tenacity and effervescence and enthusiasm is probably the one thing I remember, really. We knew about Joe Root's batting skill. and We were worried about a lot of the other players and our worries have come home to roost. Yeah, I think, we've, I think we both felt that, uh, as India did in the, in the summer, that they would unpick some of England's issues really pick at them, almost like a bird sort of pecking away. And they and they did India and Australia did exactly the same. They exposed England's weaknesses. I think for, memories for me, yeah, definitely Burns. Stokes is no ball to Warner in that first test in the Gabba when Warner was on 17, went on to score 90 odd. Uh, that felt like a big moment at the time. I also loved that hour in at the MCG. It was like the Coliseum when England lost four wickets and. 
Boland picked up a couple. Jack Leach was out playing no shot, and Ben Stokes was was watching on the sideline, saying, "I'm not sure how I'd play this." You know, Mitchell Stark picked up a couple of wickets. The crowd was up. It was a tremendous atmosphere inside the MCG. I think I'll re- I'll remember that for a, a long time. That was I think that was the most visceral cricket uh, of the series. And then I suppose Jimmy Anderson blocking out the final over, uh, just just to prevent just to prevent the whitewash. Uh, it wasn't a whitewash last time, it isn't a whitewash this time, but it feels like, you know, a pretty small uh, consolation. That was supposed to be the sort of the draw that might give England the lift and help them to Hobart in favourable conditions. But actually, it, they all just went went down in a heap and it was a sort of, uh, sort of glum festival sort of end uh, to the series, really, uh, with, you know, without that sort of real sort of hard-nosed determination to to tough it out yeah well so there we go. Mean, it's, yeah it's, it, it, it's it's a depressing final act um from an english point of view and there there of course will be calls for all sorts of people to be sacked and dropped and so on i do wonder whether joe root will carry on as captain there have been one or two people saying send for owen morgan to captain England and you know he couldn't do any worse sort of thing and I, I mentioned that because actually Owen Morgan is our guest in the virtual cricket club on Tuesday evening um, to talk about England's next campaign which is starting very very soon with some T20 internationals in the West Indies in uh, about the 21st of January I think is the first one or 22nd of January uh, so Owen's in our virtual cricket club direct from Barbados on Tuesday evening, 7pm. And actually, it'd be lovely if you could join us for that because I want to ask him about the Ashes, of course, as well as looking ahead and, and celebrating England's white ball performances. So it very quickly turns from red ball to white ball, which is probably a good thing from England's point of view. Uh, and as I say, you can join us and ask Owen Morgan a question yourself in our virtual cricket club, which has become a very engaging community to be part of and some very funny and interesting comments made by the members of that group over the last few weeks as England have slumped from one piece of despair to another so you can join us in that club by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com Owen Morgan 7pm Tuesday night that'll be fun and I'm sorry that you might not you might not be up in time for that because you won't have made it back yet I might, I might not be. I'll, I'll see how we go. I'll see what the timings are and, and various things. Um, it's amazing, isn't it, how the bandwagon just rolls on, though, isn't it? The National Series comes to an end, and you know, England's men are out in the Caribbean for T20 Series because the women are starting the, the Women's Ashes Series uh, very soon as well with, with some T20s and then the Test Match and then the, the One Day Internationals that, that lead into the World Cup. So the focus will, will very... Uh, quickly turn it I mean the, the the cricket world just never stops does it there's always something some game going on somewhere and of course one thing we haven't mentioned at all y'all I mean right at the end here we're talking about Joe Root's future as captain to where Pat Cummins you know seems to be the coming thing uh, Virat Kohli announcing that he is uh, standing down as as India's test captain uh, you know the, the king is dead you know it's 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 all come to an end he's no longer white ball captain he's no longer a red ball captain well, it's just tough, isn't it? If you're the, the, the number one batsman in a team it, and captain, in the relentlessness of the modern game, and you know, you're playing either two or three formats, which both Root and Coley are, it's just incredibly tough and something has to give. And, you know, they, they're desperate to, to make lots of runs, those guys. I mean, they're that's their kind of staple diet isn't it that's how they got to where they are is by just batting and batting and batting and that's what they want to carry on doing so fair enough to give other people 
the task. I mean, it always happens when you've got uh, heavily defeated or uh, fairly defeated that you're you're considering your position. Um, yeah, so Coley's Coley's gone as well. That was a good uh, win by South Africa, and they're an emerging side too. You know, good bowling attack, a couple of new faces there. Like um, Janssen, the left arm, tall left arm, fast bowler, batting at number eight as well. Uh, he had an impact. Uh, the young Keegan Peterson, number three batsman, looks very promising. So, you know, South Africa are coming back into the fold, I think, in, in Test cricket, which is actually good to see. Uh, England, well, you know, as you say, we shouldn't draw uh, the veil over this horrible performance. Uh, well, maybe we do need to draw the veil over it, but definitely steps need to be taken to redress the balance between red and white but let's hope the white ball team can at least restore some pride and also the, the England women as well and, and get something from their trip to Australia uh, which is just about started. So there we go Yoz, the uh, the Men's Ashes series is over, I'm coming home in a, in a couple of days time, released from captivity uh, tomorrow from my Covid captivity after seven days of isolation it meant I could watch every ball on the on the TV and observe the, the television coverage. Must here have been well, purgatory, which is interesting. <laughs> well, it's funny actually. You know, I was saying earlier about how you know do, do they still love the Ashes out here, and you know, is it is it got a bit dull, and do they want a contest? You you, you can walk up and down the sort of corridor behind the commentary boxes. Uh, and there's about seven different broadcasts going on, uh, mainly Australian, obviously Test Match Special and, and BT Sport have done their own commentary in the last uh, three games. They're mainly Australian. And you can you can still hear the enthusiasm when Australia take a wicket. You know, it's really there. And, it, you know, the shouting and the hollering and the celebrating. And, yeah, this is it's still there. Um, so I think, I think they've uh, enjoyed themselves. I think they probably enjoyed themselves more this time than they did in 2010-11. Um, but I think the Ashes in Australia do need a bit more of a contest in the future. Of course, I mean, it's easy to forget, actually, the last time in England, it was a, it was actually a cracking series, and it finished 2-2, and there were some amazing highs and some great drama, you know, Smith double hundred at Edgbaston, or 200s at Edgbaston, and Stokes winning at Headingley, and England pressing for victory at Lords and Australia pressing for victory at, at, at Old Trafford. So it's, it's not all doom and gloom in terms of the Ashes brand, if you like, but it does need to perk up a bit in Australia. I think I've seen, I, I, it's like reading the same old book uh, over and over again and not a very enjoyable book as well. But you know, you've got to get to the end of it. So uh, there we go. Um, that that, well, is, roll that on, is the end. Roll on the 2023 20, Ashes, which of course isn't that far away now. It's only a, a year and a few months and Australia will be on our shores. So hopefully it'll be a better contest than this one was well we can't even call it a contest can you listen uh, we need to let you go and we need to let the listeners go as well and uh, try and uh, regain some kind of lost uh, appetite for for life by having a drink or something uh, we'll be sport yours it's, yeah, only, it's sport. only sport that's true that's true absolutely right uh, so we'll be back uh, with uh, actually what we're going to do is we'll have this Owen Morgan uh, chat on Tuesday night and then we'll create a podcast out of it so our next podcast will be a look ahead to England's one day series in the West Indies for the meantime sorry sorry to everyone for that hapless end to the Ashes series from an England perspective but hope for better things on the horizon and we'll speak to you soon goodbye for now
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.